Welcome to the ColbyCast, episode 71. Glad you could join us. Today, Bonnie and I are joined by Chris Lewis of Baratus Catholic Illustrations and the creator of Colby's Mary and Max image. In today's episode, we discuss with Chris the longing that man has for beauty and how a new renaissance is developing in Catholic art. We also get to hear how Chris developed his style of art, a style that is masculine, reverent, current, and realistic. We hope that you'll enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, liturgical musician, popcorn and podcast fanatic, and Colby homeschooling mom to four lads and lasses of middle and high school age. And this is Stephen, homeschooling father of five and director of development for Colby Academy. Perhaps you've taken notice of the new artwork featuring our Blessed Mother and St. Maximilian Colby that now graces the Colby Academy website and social media channels. Today, we get to meet the artist who created that image, Mr. Chris Lewis of Baratus Catholic Illustration, whom you may have seen on the ColbyCast convention finale Facebook Live this past summer. Welcome, Chris, to the ColbyCast. Thank you. It's great to be here. I, I appreciate uh, the chance to get to come and hang out with uh, Colby again, Colby Academy, and talk about the faith and art. That's great. We're very happy to get to, to visit with you. We've got Stephen Hayden here with me to visit with you again today. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Bonnie. Hi, Chris. It's a Hi. pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you. Yeah. So we've been enjoying seeing this this new artwork of Mary and Max, as we sometimes refer to it, of, of our Blessed Mother and St. Maximilian Colby. We see it lots of places, and I smile every time I see it. It has this quality to it that I really, I really very much like, and I don't really have better words to describe it beyond that <laughs> most of the time, but I would love to hear how it came to be. Was there already a vision in mind when you when you started collaborating with Colby on his creation, or how did that go? Yeah, sure. So I actually was um, good friends with a, a fellow parishioner here in, in the Atlanta area, and she had been doing some design work for Colby, and so she kind of got me introduced to Colby Academy to work on a few uh, uh, illustrations for some republications that they were doing. And in that process, uh, it came up, well, you know, maybe we should reapproached the old Colby illustration that was on the back of the books. And it was a uh, like a royalty-free um, sort of public domain image that had been used for forever. And it, we were looking at that and thinking, okay, it's such a great image, but it's, maybe it does need just a little bit of a, a refresh for, uh, for audiences today who might be able to engage with it in a new way. So we really didn't want to reinvent that too much. We really wanted to keep the beauty of it because it was a beautiful image. It just could use a, a little bit of uh, update. And so um, we really went with that, that direction of just uh, improving upon the general look and aesthetic of it. But um, the, it still represents the story and the vision that uh, St. Maximilian Colby had of our Blessed Mother and uh, being offered the two crowns, the one of purity, the one of martyrdom. And uh, so for me, when I, when I looked at this image, the, the one thing I did change was I believe St. Colby was staring into Mary's face um, in the original image. And I wanted him almost um, like prayerfully considering these two crowns and sort of tucked into her embrace a little bit. So she's kind of like enveloping him in a way. And so there's just th this loving relationship there that I wanted to express as, as many people who know about St. Maximilian Colby will will know is he had a great devotion to our blessed mother and so that was really something i wanted to make sure came across in this in this update you have accomplished that quite effectively it sure is beautiful at, at the very beginning of our relaunched colby cast we released 
a very brief episode telling the story of Colby Academy's patron saints, including St. Maximilian Colby and St. Ignatius of Loyola. That's episode two, Patron Saints, which we will link in the show notes to hear just a very quick story of those two saints and why they are special to Colby Academy. So for listeners curious about that who didn't catch it the first go round, that's available to you. So would you tell us a bit about Veritus and the story behind the formation of your company? Sure. Um, I have been in art and design in some kind of way for the last uh, at least 20 years, probably more because I kind of started out as a teenager. But I professionally went into graphic design. I did that for about 17 years. And on and off, um, as sort of a spare time hobby, I would come home from work and, you know, I, I kind of had this creative motivation to express myself through illustration. I really considered myself an illustrator for most of my life, but it wasn't getting that outlet through my career. So I would come home and I would I would start working on things. And I was this was at a point in my life when I was extremely inspired by the faith. I had a big spiritual conversion, and so um, I started just illustrating concepts uh, based on the faith. And as I started doing this, I thought, you know, this this is something I should probably brand and give it a name and and just start using this as a creative outlet. And so. Um, Anybody who's been in marketing <clears throat> will know that it is extremely difficult to find original names that have not been taken in some way or, or that somebody isn't using. So I've always said it's kind of a blessing that we have the Catholic faith, that we have the second language of Latin. So yeah. I started going back to the Latin, and I'd actually been reading this history about um, the ancient Roman Empire and how they would go to battle against the barbarians um, towards the later part of the Roman Empire. And um, as they would approach, these people coming across the, the borders, uh, they would run across their war cry, which was called the Baratus. And they called it that because it was like uh, the sound of like blowing trumpets or like an elephant. Mm. And so when I started thinking about it, I liked the name a lot. And I started thinking about just the connotations of, you know, you have warriors here, you have this, this uh, trumpet sound tied into the name. And I started to recall images of like revelations or the fall of Jericho when Joshua and his army came into the Holy Land. And so I started to put these things together and it sort of took on a different uh, sort of meaning in my head. Uh, but I really liked it and I, and I was fortunate enough that nobody had been using it. And it kind of tied together also symbolically this idea I had in my head of not only proclaiming the truth, but also defending the truth, which is something we really need in this culture today. And so this, the, the idea of the warrior and the trumpet became symbols. So the trumpet is proclaiming the truth, and then the sword is defending the truth. And so that's wrapped up in the logo. And um, that's really kind of how it was born. And um, it's been a blessing to be able to do that work. It, it, it is a little bit hard for people to understand what it is, so I kind of tag it with Catholic illustration in addition to Baratus, just so people do realize this is a, a, a Catholic project or ministry. When I was first to saw the Max Marion Max logo, they told me that you had you had worked on that through them. So I had to go on right away and and Google and get to your website. I have several young boys, and I love how you can capture something that's that's masculine and very reverent and modern as well. I mean, not modern in a bad way, but <laughs> how did you develop that sort of uh, the style that you have? Yeah, that's a great question, and and. The modern thing is funny. Whenever I talk to people, they, they'll say it's, it's almost modern, but not in a bad way. So I think everybody has that hesitation <laughs> to say that. 
But I'm fully on board with that. What I try to do is represent traditional legacy of the Catholic Church, but do it in a modern way that, that actually appeals and resonates with people today. So it's traditional while at the same time also sort of a modern aesthetic to it. And, you know, I, I come from a long line of um, military in our family, and um, they fought in many wars throughout our, our previous generations. My dad was in uh, the Gulf War, and so I kind of grew up with this love of or respect or, or this, this honor of um, military traditions and military history. And so I've always just, I've, I've been attracted to war movies and, you know, I love the Old Testament for all of its epic battles. And so it's just kind of been a part of my growing up that I've, I've just gravitated towards the, that more masculine side of the faith. And it's actually kind of funny. I, I didn't, I've never really thought about it too much. I kind of just started drawing what came naturally to me. And people started commenting on the fact that, wow, this is really masculine compared to, to what I've been seeing. And it did make me think for a minute. And I was like, okay, well, you, yeah, we do have a lot of like prayer cards with like blushing saints and things like that, which, you know, I love that stuff too. It has like a nice, beautiful vintage quality to it. But I can see how something a little bit more masculine or that appeals to the strong side of our faith could appeal to people these days. I also say that it kind of has a little bit of a gritty edge because things in in the Catholic faith are not always pristine. There's, you know, this is a, a struggle and a war against sin, essentially. There, there is that side of it, too. And so I try to make it realistic and, and true and inspiring and hopeful and, and strong. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I had just been finishing a consecration to St. Joseph when I had done this and looked at some of your illustrations of St. Joseph and thinking, yeah, this is the sort of guy who's going to just wake up from a dream and take his family all the way across the wilderness, you know, on foot um, to, to a foreign land at the drop of the hat, just in obedience. And I just thought, yes, this is capturing the manliness of St. Joseph that I want to see right now. So yeah, that, that, that's exactly it. That's right. I grew up in a house with two brothers, so there wasn't a lot of femininity in the house. It was, it was just like pure aggression and like, you know, conflict. And so we, I guess that, that kind of shaped me a little bit and probably comes out of my art as well. So that's interesting then that you find um, an outlet in art in that coming from that background, that, that art is your outlet that way. Yeah. It, there's actually a kind of funny story about that. My dad was a Marine and his dad was in the army, and so it, it, I, it got to be time to um, try and decide what I was going to do for a career. And, and he's like, so what do you think you want to do with your life? And I said, I think I want to be an artist. And I don't know, he doesn't seem to remember this. I remember it, but he's like, that's not a job. <laughs> but, you know, he, he came from a different reality, I guess. And um, so it, that part of it was hard. I, had to, I also am blessed to have kind of come up at a time when technology was really changing. So in his mind, you know, I could see how being an illustrator or graphic designer didn't seem like it was uh, going to be very lucrative, especially taking care of a family. But things have changed so much. I mean, that's one of the things I can credit to the growth of Veritus is that social media really helped that in getting the exposure out. And I think it, it allowed me to be able to put this work in front of people and then, uh, you know, in a widespread way internationally. And, and people were all able to see something from this little tiny you know, place in Atlanta. And um, it's a, a big help for artists because it, it does give us this outlet that we can really reach the world in a new way. I'm a little curious about, about that. And in, in, I mean, 
it seems to me there's a real need for for Catholic organizations for somebody like you to really help them show whether they have an idea or um, putting something together that's uh, respectful and beautiful, but also says something about their organization. How challenging is that to kind of work with somebody and to kind of understand what it is they're trying to say, and then you expressing it through your art? Um, There are challenges sometimes, but I mean, it's something that I really... Uh, was exposed to for 17 years doing corporate graphic design. Um, Graphic design is really problem solving. So it's really understanding what the problem or what the objective is and then trying to solve for it visually. And so as long as you're able to understand the story that the client's trying to give you or or a, a purpose or a goal that they're trying to achieve, I'm somebody who kind of does, at least in the illustration work, the way I draw and the way that I portray images and things it it really is what it is it's just naturally that's how it comes out and so i'm finding it that a lot of people are coming to me for that so it's a little bit easier because they know what to expect and then it's just about me kind of understanding you know what the story they want to tell is and then i try to just cater to that as much as possible and make that clear yeah and it's interesting like even on your website where you've got the different images i mean so you know like a logo sort of with the sword and the 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 trumpet there and then you're bringing those images and tying them in and again it's something i don't do easily so it's a it's impressive i i try and and um make this point that illustration graphic design these things are really about storytelling and i try to make that apparent in the art like i don't i don't want to just draw a saint and kind of let it be i try and tell a story with it so even even the max and colby to go back to that for a minute i mean has all the elements of the story but it's it's worked into one single composition and it's those little elements that you see in it that kind of pique the interest and open open your heart to try and understanding what the story is and what it's trying to tell you and so it's a great opportunity especially in the catholic art it's so great because you there's so many symbols that you can just put into this stuff and you can kind of lead people on this journey of really going deeper because the point of this art is it really is supposed to open people up to experiencing the, the higher things the things of god the transcendentals and so uh yeah there's there's a lot of ways you can you can tell these stories with symbols and, and things to, to try and, and really engage people so not so easy when you're when you're designing for uh products in the secular market you know it's <laughs> you have to you have to concoct this made-up story or made-up narrative, whereas with the Catholic world, I'm just retelling what's been given to us. And I'm trying to do that as authentically as possible. Well, it's very effective. Yes. Recently, we had the pleasure of seeing a lot of really great artwork from Colby students, the subject being St. Maximilian Colby. There was an art contest recently. I would love to hear more of the story behind that. You, you had a hand in that, right? Yeah, it was it was a blessing. They they came to me, Colby Academy came to me and asked me to be one of the judges, which of course I was more than honored to do. Um I know as as a kid myself, uh, I really loved any opportunity to draw or enter into a contest where I could kind of like test my 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 creativity and my skills and so it was so great to see so many young people that were open to doing this and and sharing their talents and doing it in a Catholic way. Um, I had actually just done a personal art competition for young people myself, like just a few weeks before that. So um, to see so many young people who are really embracing these talents that God's given them and being able to do it in a way that's actually positive is is beautiful. And 
I mean, I was, I, I, I told the other uh, judges that uh, this was probably one of the hardest things I've had to do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to sit there and look at uh, 20, 20 something pieces of just really well done artwork that are expressing their love for St. Colby and uh, try and make a decision about the best one. I mean, it was nearly impossible. And they were all so great that it was, it, it was really quite inspiring to see that. They are really neat. You can see examples of them. Some of the winners are on the Colby Facebook page and Instagram feed as well on both those. So listeners can go in and see the the winners of the art contest. Here in the past few years, Colby has started offering a number of new art courses. There are live online art classes offered through the online academy and and also courses for middle and high school that students signed up for this year they have access to. And I think they do it in elementary school as well. So there there's more in the way of of art instruction offered to Colby students. It's neat to be able to see it all come together and have this interaction with you. And what would you offer by way of advice for aspiring artists now that they've had this opportunity to try their hand at, at this art contest? Yeah, I, the biggest thing I would say is don't give up. Um, really, everybody's an artist in some way. And I think people underplay this. They um, discredit the, the, the talent that everybody really does have for something creative. I mean, it's, it's a natural expression of the creativity of God that kind of comes out through the things that we create. And so definitely keep that up. Um, one of the things I tell young people is make a habit of drawing every day. Like I, I went to it naturally, but you're always going to have days where it's just like, oh, you're not feeling it. Make yourself do it at least for like 15 to 20 minutes a day. Get a little sketchbook and, and start to fill it up. And I think over time, just building that habit you'll be amazed when you start to go back to previous sketchbooks, how much you just grow in that. I read a book one time about a artist who would go around to schools and talk about art and, and creativity. And um, he would always ask people at like kindergarten, like who here wants to be an artist? And like the entire class would raise their hand and, and he would see that as he'd go up through the older grades, you know, by the time you get to like seventh and eighth grade, who here wants to be an artist? Like maybe one or two people are like shyly raising their hand. And he felt, he felt this was, um, was a sort of a, a, a detriment because uh, people had given up on this love they had for creating and it's, it's tucked in there with everybody somewhere. And so I think everybody needs this expressive creative outlet in some way, whatever it is, cooking, music, writing, uh, photography. It's, it, it really is good for the soul, I think. And so I would definitely encourage these kids to keep it up. Um, you know, if you have days where you're struggling on things, you know, keep at it. Those journals, those sketchbooks will really help you in that and help you progress. And I know when I was young, I would always, uh, you know, if I had to draw hands or feet or like faces in, a, in, in sort of a different perspective or something, you know, it was like terrifying. It's like, I can't do it. But because uh, those are the most challenging things for young artists to eventually learn. But um, make yourself do it. It's going to be, you know, it might be a little rough going at first, but You'll, you'll start to see over time, you'll, you'll get used to it. And look at everything around you. Look at the world around you. Look at, uh, look at the way that figures were painted during the Renaissance or, you know, look at Renaissance art and kind of get an understanding of that. I would just encourage all of that as much as possible. I mean, it's, I, I, I really think, especially the way the culture is these days, we consume so much. We consume so much um, video content, audio content, but most of it's really toxic. And so I'm all about encouraging young creative people like, like these kids that entered this art contest 
to keep it up because we need you more than anything. Both the last uh, Pope Benedict, Pope John Paul II, they both issued letters to artists really encouraging them to keep this up because the world has lost hope and art is a good way to bring hope back to the world and lead people to God. And so, yeah, definitely keep it up. How do you think we're doing at that? I mean, I remember back in like the late 90s with Notre Dame with uh, Duncan Stroik bringing back uh, classical architecture and this beauty that that they were starting to try to recapture. But with respect to art itself, do you th- do you think we're we're doing well with with that, or a lot of work still? What? Yeah, I I think um, a number of years ago I probably would have said it's looking pretty bleak. <laughs> Um, even church architecture and things that, you know, it's looking, we could do better. We can do better. I mean, there's, there's no shortage of creative people. And so I was kind of scratching my head and I thought, why are these people not going into religious art? Why are they going into secular art? And, you know, in the secular world, you're not going to build, you you know, works of beauty like the way we used to a hundred years ago with Catholic uh, cathedrals and things or or before that. But um, I have to say this new world of social media has kind of opened me up to how many people there are out there doing these things. And I think it is starting to gain, gain a little bit of traction. And I almost sense, and I, I may, maybe I'm optimistic here, but I almost sense sort of like this new renaissance happening. And it's, I feel like we're just at the beginnings of it. But I think this mixture of the fact that people are longing for beauty again, especially in our churches, um, even in our cities, um, that's, that's another thing, but the, the, everywhere, everybody's longing for beauty. And I think there's more and more artists now that are being exposed to other people doing it. I think it's becoming an encouragement for other people to join in. And I do get the sense that it's growing. And I think that we all get the sense that something's missing. You know, you, you drive down the typical American city street and it's just, it's not inspiring. You, you, you go into a lot of the newer parishes that were built in the last uh, 50 years or so. And it's, 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 it's disappointing because we used to do so much better at that. Um, but I do sense that because people are sensing that longing, they're starting to ask for it. And that's what, what it really takes because in the, in, um, you know, during the Renaissance, it was the church who was really building studios and, and um, paying for these works of art and, and um, being patrons of the arts and, and, and encouraging artists to um to revitalize the church and we've kind of lost that now and now it's become more on the the private individuals and catholic um, mass goers that we're kind of looking around and saying no we want this again and uh, but there isn't the church there backing it so it's like we're going to need to find support within our within the catholic community and hopefully it, it inspires a, a a true renaissance at some point well, certainly, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. And it's when I see the work that you're doing, I think here's the connection now. There can be something that's currently being done. I don't have to go back several hundred or years to, to try to find something that's beautiful and speaks to, to my faith and my love of, of our Lord. Um, so, yeah, very encouraged by what I'm seeing. Yeah. yeah, sure. One of the challenges is where does a Catholic artist go these days? to sort of learn the skills that the Renaissance artists learned or to understand how to sculpt or how to build architecture in the way that they used to. Um, as an illustrator, you go to art school these days and, and a lot of times that you're not getting that. You're getting, how do we, how do we tear things down and, and disfigure art? We're not getting how do we build art up, how do we make it beautiful again? How do we uh, restore these things that, and that's the thing with Catholic art. We're not, we're not really 
here to be inventive. We're here to just pass on those those traditions and that legacy that we have and just expose people to it. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I, I had this sort of sinking feeling that when you know you look at the mass attendance numbers and it can be a little bit bleak and you think, wow, there's a lot of people who aren't even stepping into a Catholic church anymore. How do we how do we inspire them to come back in? And I think beauty is a great way to do it. And that's one of the reasons why I try and you know, I, I decided not to necessarily go the route of building up parishes and creating art for parishes. I'm trying to take art out into the streets, out into the, the public, because um, I want more Catholic art and I want more of it everywhere. Yeah, great. You were bringing up the schools or education that's, that's talking about that. And I was, it come up in my mind a little bit earlier with architecture. I know there's, at one point, there was this great connection with Vitruvius and such with mathematics and proportion and geometry and looking at all of these things. Now, did, did you get some elements of that still in your, your graphic design art? Or, or is that something that just kind of comes natural to you? Because I, I can see elements of it, but uh, it seems like it is hard for our kids to get that sort of, that there is um, the beauty can be under. I mean, it can be felt and just known when you see it. But there's also order built mm -hmm. in, in beauty. There is. Uh, I didn't get it necessarily through architecture, but I did. It's the same principles in graphic design. So you know the Fibonacci sequence. It's basically the the golden ratio where you break, start to break things into thirds, and there's sort of that that balance is worked into to good and beautiful art and because it's harmonious. And so a lot of those same techniques that they use in architecture are also applied to graphic design. And so there is that, um, which, you know, if you don't learn it in school, you at least you learn it on the job because mm -hmm. you, you start to see that it works <laughs> and, it, and it becomes secondhand nature. So I, I think that was more of the case for me. I, I unfortunately, I, I don't know that you know, I don't want to sound too down on, on art schools, but, you know, it's, I think a lot of, a lot of the experience and the, and the skill you get is really on the job solving problems. And, um, yeah, I didn't get so much of that in school, unfortunately, but I did go late and I did kind of force it into two years, uh, in order to, to put my foot in the door in, in the corporate world. But it sounds like something something we can start building on, whether it's starting in Colby or, or That's right. That's getting right. some of these good Catholic schools to, to work on that as well. It sounds, right. sounds like something we need to get to work on. Definitely. One of the things with modern art is it's really taken down the path of how do we dismantle that mathematical balance and the harmonious beauty that we used to work into art and architecture. And it's, all, it's become about how do we take that apart and distort it and, and unfortunately, a lot of this has even crept up into the building of um, parishes. Um, but I was reading St. Benedict's letter to artists the other day, and instead of art being used to shock people, which is what it's turned into, it's a, you know, artists for the last 100 years have been thinking, okay, how can I shock somebody with somebody, something novel, with something new, with something that, you know, challenges their, their sensibilities or what they always thought art was? But I was reading St. Benedict and uh, St. Benedict, Pope, Pope Benedict uh, the 16th. <laughs> um, um, not yet, not yet. Um, so, um, yeah, I was reading him and he quoted Plato. And Plato said that true beauty was a healthy shock. 
And so there is that sense that where we are, you know, there is a shock to beauty when you come across, you know, a beautiful sunset, it kind of like takes your breath away. Well, that's, that's just natural inherent beauty. Well, the same thing works with the, with the works of art that we create. It should really be about shocking beauty, um, beauty that, that takes our breath away and, and encourages us to seek more. Now, imagine what would happen if you gave a sunset to a modern, a modern artist. I mean, they would just they would make it an absolute mess. Nobody's ever walked away from a beautiful sunset repulsed. You know, they, they, they've sensed that there is something in there that's transcendental. And those same things, same transcendental qualities, work in the art that we produce as well. And so I think there is, there is a need to return to that and remember the purpose of art is to draw us into something much deeper. And it's a search. I mean, it's really creativity and creating art is a search. And it's a search for God ultimately at the end of it. It's really magnificent that I hadn't really thought about that too much until like a year or two ago when I was at a kind of a retreat where I was talking about how people can bring the Holy Spirit to other people through gifts that God gives them. And, and I hadn't really thought about that with art, but they were talking about how musicians and artists, um, oftentimes the, God works through them to, you know, to move, have the Holy Spirit move in the people who either see or, or listen. And, and thinking back after hearing that, it's, it's, some of the experiences I've had have been with religious art or music in particular, like seeing a statue of the Pieta at one point in the museum was almost just brought, brought me to tears immediately. Even, even though I've just been looking at all sorts of other art, I wasn't in a particular It's interesting you mentioned uh, Austria. That my first trip to Europe was to Vienna, and our, we we stayed at a little hotel uh, around the corner from St. Stephen's Dome. And I can remember just walking around that corner and just like frozen. Yes. Like, what is this? There is nothing like this that I've ever seen uh, here in in this country. And it's almost as if the the thing came from heaven itself. I mean, it's just uh, spectacular, unbelievable. And the same thing happens in Rome. You walk the streets of Rome. It's like every corner you turn and you're just like stopped dead in your tracks looking at this masterpiece of architecture. And there's 120 of some, something uh, churches within Rome itself. I mean, every corner you're walking into another chapel and it's just like, this is the paradise I want to live in. Um, you know, because it points to the true paradise in heaven. And, that, and, that's, and that's what this is supposed to do. It's supposed to orient us towards that true paradise and that true end. And you, you see works of art done like that, and it really accomplishes that mission perfectly. And you, and you, you can't, it's, it, it impresses a reaction on you. Like you, you don't even, you can't even um, process really that reaction. It comes naturally just by, by seeing it. And that's what true beauty does is it, it impresses itself on you. And what a way, I mean, if you could, I can't even imagine what like the cathedral, the St. Stephen's is that St. Stephen's Dome, yeah. Mm -hmm. St. Stephen's. When you see that, I can't imagine what would happen if you plopped that down in an American city. When how we talk about the Catholics kind of fleeing the church or not showing up, I think everybody would be showing up to, to a cathedral like that just to see the the wonder of it, whether they're 
Catholic or not. And if you can get them in the door, hopefully you could you could keep them, right? That, that's such an amazing thing. Uh, I was blessed to travel through Europe quite a bit. And so you go to these uh, cathedrals that are just hundreds of years old and just magnificent. And unfortunately, they're, they're more of a tourist stop for people. Now, I say un- unfortunately because they, I'm sure at some point in time there were just masses happening constantly and they were just packed. Well, they're packed now with tourists, which not in a, in a sense is not necessarily a bad thing. You know, we, we're living on a linear timeline. These people are, are experiencing things in real time. And so they're stepping into these um, cathedrals. And hopefully there's, there's seeds being planted there that they start to question or they start to see some of the ugliness around us in everyday, you know, urban development. And they start to think, you know, I'm, I have a longing for that thing I saw in Europe. And so it's that it's that little tugging that I think that those churches will eventually impart upon people. And it does. I, I've heard stories of people. Who, I, I was watching Journey Home one time, and this man stepped into a, a, an old, you know, ancient Roman church and was pretty much converted on the spot just by beauty. It can happen, and it does happen. And and I think it speaks to these people who are searching and. Yeah, you, I hope we start to get back to a point where we put those in the middle of our cities and the cities build up around the cathedrals yes. the way they used to. It certainly highlights the importance of of the importance of and the space for current artists such as yourself adding to the wealth of sacred art that we have over the past several hundred years. But now the the current artists like you, like bringing people in who might not otherwise be in the way of it, so to speak, like uh, in making use of social media as you do, where they might be scrolling and they land upon one of your images. And then that is a game changer for them. Even that small seed, as they're, as you referred to with the tourists visiting the various cathedrals, just to see them, but who knows what happens that they might not recognize at the time. That was actually an impetus for me to create Catholic goods that people could sort of take with them on their journey. So, you know, I, I, I make, stickers and magnets and apparel and things because um one of the things when i when i would travel europe or any really any u.s city um you step outside of those churches and you see the graffiti and the street poles that are just littered with with stickers of just all kinds of you know terrible art and messaging i was thinking about this really recently that um i i think the way cities become sort of like these hotspots of sin is just because we're all around each other and the, and the ugliness and the sin that we're so, so packed in and we don't have that space to like breathe or like take, you know, the churches aren't there um, on every corner the way they used to. And so we don't, we don't get that grace from God and that moment of peace and silence to really reflect on something higher. We're always just con- constantly surrounded by the sin and ugliness. And so this really started inspiring me. And I thought, I, you know, in some way, we got to start getting these images out in public to counter this stuff. Like, I don't want people seeing this stuff all day long. I want I want people to be behind be behind me in traffic and reading something beautiful on on my bumper sticker. I don't want them to be seeing some hideous message the way that I'm seeing constantly these days. And so, yeah, that was really an, an inspiration for me to sort of take the beauty of, that we used to see in the Catholic Church and take it out to the world in some way that. I don't know, gives people hopefully a momentary break to look at something that gets their mind on God and away from all of the, the ugliness. So yeah, it's it's one of those things you would I would leave the church and you know, you just confront that as you're walking down the streets and, you know, try and make my way to the next church as quick as possible, like in Rome or something, and you know, go in there as a shelter. Um 
<laughs> and, and you know, one of the things about, another thing about Rome is they have these beautiful street shrines. So you'll be walking down just your average street and they'll just have a Marian shrine there built into the building, like as a part of the structure. And I was, I was kind of um, thinking remorsefully the other day, talking to my wife and I was like, how much I would love to just, you know, drive down the street. We always drive down and look over and see a Marian shrine, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, we're not there yet, but you know, maybe, maybe putting more stickers or something that people are carrying around with them or, you know, wearing a shirt that is actually speaking to people and evangelizing, you know, at least I can do that small thing. So. Now this is tying back for me at the beginning when you're talking about your conversation with your father about, you know, that's not a real, that's not a real job or whatever. And it's so encouraging to think that, that as you're setting an example, I guess that it can be done. You can, if you have a passion for this and that's so encouraging because I know, I know when I was growing up, certainly in high school, thinking about colleges, it was kind of like, yeah, you could go for your art degree, but you're not going to make any right. money. You're going to be you're going to be struggling for the rest of your life. It's good. To, it's it's really refreshing to hear that maybe we can get more of these young Catholic artists who love what's beautiful and can support a family <laughs> still with yeah. with that. That's hopefully we'll see more of that. Yes, God willing, God willing. That was uh, that for me. It was one of those things where I was doing secular work, you know, all day long, and then I'd come home and, and really have this time for Catholic work that I really loved doing. And it, and I just the more and more I was doing it, the more I felt something lacking in the secular work, and I really wanted to do something that had purpose and meaning beyond just you know bringing the paycheck home for the family, but. I wasn't sure how that was going to work, and I was quite nervous about you know leaving behind 17 years to step out and try and do it. But thanks be to God, and this just goes back to what we were saying earlier, I think Catholics are really hungering for it because I, I can't do it without the support. You know, the church isn't funding this anymore. It's just the average everyday Catholic in the pews that's doing it. And so far, God, it's been such a blessing, and God has, has blessed this project. And it, it's it's happening, and it's I'm at a point where I, I realized that, yeah, this is something that people need and they want, and um, it's a blessing to be able to do it. Well, it sure is great to see the the proliferation of contemporary Catholic art in the more pragmatic spheres of life, that that we can find home goods that are beautiful and speak to our faith, draw our attention to the aspects of our faith that, um, that are right there in our visual landscape doing whatever our everyday things are that could be almost mindless or whatever it is that we can draw our minds heavenward with some visual representations of that in in the goods that we use in the service of our families day to day. I highly encourage putting a piece of sacred art in every room of the house. I grew up Protestant and I eventually rejected that and went towards the path of atheism for many years until I discovered Catholicism. And uh, when I met my my wife and, and would go to her mother's house, it was the first time in my life I'd seen a house just like covered uh, room to room with religious imagery. And I can't help but think all the time I spent in that house um, before I converted was really, this goes back to what we've been saying. It was speaking to me and it was it was getting me to search deeper and it felt like home and it felt like Jesus and Mary. These are people that I deep down do know. So I, I've taken that practice into our own house now, and, and we put something in every single room in the house because I want to be able to be reminded of it as I'm going from room to room. I don't want this just to be a utilitarian place where I just 
you know, eat and sleep and do all the stuff that I need to do. I want it to be a place, a sacred space where we work on striving for holiness. And images are a great way to encourage that. When you can set up your home that way, at least in my experience, sometimes my eye will providentially land on something that I need to see right about then yeah. that <laughs> helps exactly. me kind of reorient and get back on track. Yeah. That's right, yeah. <laughs> So I was excited to see recently Philip Campbell, who wrote the Story of Civilization series for Tan Books. That one, we have used the audiobook form as a companion to our upper elementary and middle school history studies, the Colby studies that we use with the Catholic Textbook Project. We listen to the audiobook versions of the Story of Civilization when we're out driving around or as an um, ancillary piece to the, his, the textbooks to kind of um, supplement a little bit. So as ex- we, I've been paying attention to him for a long time saw that he has a new book coming out and your artwork is on the cover so congratulations that's very exciting i'm really curious to hear what the process is like when you're working with authors on to develop a, a new book when it's not in the process in the production process yeah sure thank you that was that was a great project to work on i i, I love history myself and so um a funny little story. I was actually talking with the publisher that said, you know, your your work would be great on these Philip Campbell books. And it just so happened like that day, Philip reached out to me about doing a cover for this new book. So, so I was like, well, this must be uh, divinely inspired. So yeah, I was, mm-hmm. I was uh, thrilled to be able to take that project on. And, um, you know, of course he's bringing attention to a figure who's not getting the best intention in the popular culture these days. And um, I do think it's important to, protect our, our Catholic heritage and our identity and, and remind you, like, this is not a book about Jesus. It's not, this is not a, you know, we're, we're human and we have flaws, and so we can debate those things. But um, the, the great things that Catholics have done in the world, I mean, it needs to be recognized and it needs to be understood by our children. And so I was, I was happy to see that he was uh, re- working on this book, and um, I was glad to take on the project. And we wanted to keep it really focused on you know, he's the title of the series is the heroic Catholics uh, of America, and um, so we really wanted that image to be something heroic or inspirational, and it was no small thing what he set out to do. And and I think that uh, this is a story that you know children should be inspired by. And so we kept the 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 cover really sort of classic, really simple, and portrayed him as a heroic and intriguing figure that that people would want to read about. Um, book covers tend to be, you know, it's it's fifty fifty sometimes whether an author is like, I know I just have this really clear cut vision on what I wanted and needs to speak to the story, and sometimes, you know, it's it's free reign to to run with it, and uh, really again, it's just about problem solving, and so if whatever that problem that the author is or is trying to communicate or whatever that message they're trying to communicate is, it's just about solving for that, and this is one of those cases where Philip was pretty much just like free ring, go for it. And so, uh, yeah, I just, almost immediately when he came to me, I just had that vision for it and, and I really wanted it to be something classic. So that's kind of what I did. We've collaborated with a number of authors. That's really neat. And they're listed on your website. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on the lookout for those. Now, now I, I know there's not really an answer to this for most people, but do you have kind of a favorite of, of some of the projects you've worked on or, or pieces that you've done that you just thought, oh, this is, this is what I was intending to do and, and it's worked beautifully or is there any or a number of, of them that stand out for you? Yeah, it's um, one of those things where the projects 
or, or the ideas that sort of come to me out of nowhere and then an inspiration just strikes like lightning and I'll get this momentum behind me and, and I'll sit down on the computer and eight hours will go by and it feels like 30 minutes. Like those are the projects where I'm just absolutely inspired to, to complete. And um, I've had a number of those. I mean, um, most of that, just because of the fact that it's coming from inspiration that hits me, that was involved with um, a lot of my personal work. I mean, my favorite piece I've ever done it's it's kind of funny because it's my favorite piece I've ever done, but I haven't finished it. And I think it's because I have such lofty ideals for it that it's like I've just really taken my time with it. But um, St. Peter has always um, resonated with me just as a um, a person who, you know, faced challenges and he kind of like backpedaled a little bit. And then he got, got his act back together and, you know, he was faithful to Christ up until his own death. And um, I really kind of found him to be a really human and inspirational figure in the Gospels. And so I've kind of taken to him as a personal favorite saint. And so I, I did do a composition with him, sort of composed of all those symbols that I was talking about earlier that kind of represent his story. So, you know, he's holding his cross, the, the cross upside down, and he's got the fishing net, like, all wrapped around him as if he's tangled in it. And there's the, the skull at the bottom, just as a symbol of the martyrdom to come. You know, he's holding the keys, and it has all these things, and it's a very masculine image. Um, and it was a sketch I created, which I really hope to be able to, to finish one of these days. Um, so that's probably like my top favorite piece, just because the whole image kind of popped into my head and, and I knew exactly what I wanted to do with it. And it, and the sketch at least came out to that degree. And that's, that's on my Instagram page, probably way back. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I've really enjoyed all of these projects and it's because they're Catholic and because it's Catholic work. I mean, I just love doing this stuff so much that it's, it's truly a blessing, whether it's client work or personal work. I mean, I woke, I woke up the other day and told my wife, like, I can't believe that I get to work on Catholic projects all day long compared to last year where I, you know, I was doing, you know, product development for secular retail. And it's just like night and day, um, what, what these two, two worlds are like and to be able to do something that means so much and is hopefully, speaking to other people and encouraging other people. I mean, that's, I don't know how, how I've become blessed this degree, but thank, thanks be to God for it. Wow. It certainly sounds like, I mean, just as you're it sounds like the Holy Spirit is just working through you and which is so phenomenal because I mean, obviously there's a purpose that is so great for you. You're fulfilling your purpose, but it's out there for other people too, to be moved sure. and to, yeah, it's just fantastic. Yeah. You're an instrument cooperating with that that grace god willing that's right that way yeah well we are delighted with our new logo we have sure enjoyed our time visiting with you today we will drop a link in the show notes like i said to the facebook live that you did with jordan over the summertime and listeners can get their own mary and max stickers in our colby bookstore we'll put a link to that in our show notes as well where else though can listeners find you and your artwork online yeah, the place I'm on all of the social media channels um, as at Veritus Catholic, and that's B A R I T U S Catholic. Okay. Um, Instagram is probably where I keep up the most, and that's where I tend to post the most recent work and previews of things I'm working on or reveal products I'm releasing. And then all my products are sold through my Etsy shops. So you can find me on, on Etsy as well. And of course, VeritusCatholic.com will link to anything. Um, where I have some work or some kind of uh, presence online. Good deal. Well, we'll be looking for more beautiful things 
coming from you down the road. Sure, I've enjoyed our time visiting with you. Thank you so much. Thank you both. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. It's been great. If you haven't already, subscribe to the Colby Cast in your favorite podcast app for effortless episode delivery. And we'd love to hear from you, so drop us a line at podcast at colby.org. Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us. Ad maiorem Dei Gloriam.